Hello, hello everyone, and welcome to another episode of Check Your Six, the collegiate esports and somewhat professional league uh, Rainbow Six podcast. For all of your Rainbow Six needs, we've got news for the Pro League today. We've got matches and matches and matches of things to cover in CRSL one match left to cover in CEA and plenty of matches in CR6 to cover as well so we can get right into this and I'm excited to say we have details about North American Pro League which makes me very happy because for a while you and I syntax we were just going uh we'll talk about it when there's something to talk about well yeah, there's something were, to talk uh... about yeah, they were they were kind of in the dark about it, um, and then they kind of uh, nonchalantly pushed it out onto their website and let people kind of discover for themselves about whatever things gonna happen, what everything's gonna entail. Um, so as as we all know, um, Ubisoft cut ties with ESL, so ESL is no longer running Pro League. Um, basically, they're gonna be running it by themselves. Um, so. It's not, it's not going to be called ESL anymore. It's now called the the league of whatever country, you know, yeah. of area you're in. So now, you know, you've got the North American League, you've got the Asia Pacific League, you've got the European League, you've got the LATAM League, stuff like that. So in the North American League, um, we have some, uh, we got three teams that came up into Pro League now. Um, the Saskehana Sonics came back up in Pro League from Challenger League. Uh, disrupt gaming you know all you know if you've been following um, pro league and challenge league for a while you know that disrupt has kind of been a big challenge league team for a long time they've kind of contributed to the uh to the, to the vibrancy of challenger league for a long time and so now this this gives them a time their time to shine in pro league which is nice for them and then the long-awaited uh team that picked up reciprocity and known as oxygen esports um, so they're new to Rainbow Six. They've never been in the Rainbow Six at all. They they came in and they bought out the, the team reciprocity roster. So now that they they're they're going to be uh, using them. Um, as for the North American League, um, let me find it again here. So with the the season one, uh, the this year's the 2020 timeline, um, the league is going to be spread out into two different stages. <clears throat> Stage one is going to be taking place in July, um, with stage two taking place in October. Um, along with, so along with each stage, the Challenger League is going to take place as well. So Challenger League stage one is going to be in July. Challenger League stage two is going to be in October as well. Um, well, it's going to be through. I guess if I'm looking through the timeline, I don't know if it's actually just labeled in July as it's in July, or if it's through June. June through half of July. They kind of label it kind of vaguely on the website with the picture and the graphic. So I yeah. don't know exactly how the, the dates are going to match up, but <clears throat> I imagine what's going to happen is that because each stage is five weeks long. So that's five weeks of best of three matches, which is great because that's that's the big difference is that now we're getting best of three matches, which will i think show off a lot more of the depth of skill with these teams as opposed to these best of ones and that's all you get um but with it being three five or with it being five week stages 
it'll basically be and here's my assumption is that it'll basically be like the end of june all of july leading into a short break and then into the major in august and then a longer break for the remaining part of august all of september or until the end of september and then you get that last week of september all of october and you kind of get that same that same um cadence of couple weeks off five weeks straight of competition a week or two off to prep for the major major and then a good chunk of time off just so that there's some pacing of it it lets teams make some decisions i don't know if there's going to be a, a free agency or like a an open trade timeline time frame in between majors but at, before stages start so that's kind of the thinking that I have is that this gives each of the teams more time to make adjustments after each stage and then make it make it in time for um, that second st- or that the next stage. So they'll mm-hmm. go through with what they have for a major with through a stage and into a major with what they have. Then they'll get a chance to reset, figure out how they want to make an adjustment and then kind of get locked into a roster again. That would be my thought, but seeing as they're labeling the season as a year-long competitive season, I maybe that's not the case. Maybe they're expecting these players to be locked into a team for an entire year, which, if that's the case, I really have to ask some questions of the Disrupt Gaming, the Sonics, and Oxygen Esports. How are they going to sustain themselves? Like, those are challenger league teams like they if they don't have sponsors at this point if they don't have like some good deals to kind of help sustain them i wonder what the likelihood is of them being able to keep themselves active in the pro league unless they get like unless they're getting stipends or something of like a paycheck from uh ubisoft as just congratulations you're in the league you get paid but it's weird to have these teams that weren't in pro league now they are and it's a whole new setup a whole new league and the expectations are different with how long this season is so um out of curiosity um i actually was researching um about like what would what it would take to maintain and start up an esports league um and so essentially, if you're going straight into pro league, this, a good example is actually Dark Zero, right? They yeah. they showed up out of nowhere, um, and they they bought out this team and they started in, in pro league, right? So essentially, if you're coming into pro league straight up, you you need some you need money. You can't you can't be a team right. um, that comes into pro league with no money. So essentially. You know they've got startup money. They've got investors. They've got sponsors already in place. Um, Dark Zero, on, on you know, on the other hand, they didn't have any sponsors. They had investors, right? Right. So they bought out the team, and essentially, you know, you you're you're running out of pocket until your team starts to turn a profit. So essentially, right. you get to the um, to the break even point. If you know anything about about business, you know you've got the. Uh, You've got two different you've got two different phases, right? Uh, well, I guess three if you count the middle. But you you know you've got your negative, you're, you've got your your break even point, and then you get your profit zone. So essentially, they were you know they were kind of riding the negative until they hit that break even point, and now they're finally turning profit. <clears throat> 
and that all comes down to how good your team is right and that that is a big decision decision point in a business you know how how do we get to the break even point is this team going to bring us there um if not is it worth is it worth coming in so um you know that's that's kind of the risk that all these businesses take coming into the pro league um you know how long are they going to be in the negative before they start turning profit and i mean that's i mean and to be perfectly frank uh, unless you're in league of legends or dota or i mean unless you're one of those teams that just happens to be winning all the time which isn't really anybody um the esports don't really pay for themselves the teams don't really pay for themselves it's all their partnerships it's all their sponsorships it's all of the additional content that those team members make that those um companies make that really keep them in in check and keep them going and i mean this was commentary from uh uh, his name uh raynad uh tempo storm ceo Mm -hmm. um most esports companies are borrowing money or raising capital and spending it to grow their business and then they have to have another round and they have to grow raise more money than that last round so that they continue to grow most of them don't actually have a a business that's actually in giving them their own sustainability so mm-hmm. that's that's my biggest concern is with teams that are coming out of challenger league they're no they're not well known it's not that they're nobodies it's just that they're not well known and to get a sponsor to start paying for six people's salaries lodging equipment managing them and because um, unless you're like luminosity gaming that it can get away with just like kind of shoving people aside um i i don't know how you can really run a, an effective and efficient esports team let alone multiple teams like some of these brands are like tsm so the that's I I love this setup. I love best of threes way more than the best of ones. Uh, five week stages and then a major with some time off with more leagues. I mean, you mentioned all the different divisions and leagues, but hey, we also have a Canadian league now. So there's another region that's participating. Like, there's a lot to be watching with this setup, and it makes it really cool that so much is going on. So I'm excited about the formation of the league. I'm worried about the longevity of some of these teams because I, I just don't know much about them. And honestly, once you're out of out of pro league, you're kind of out of hindsight. You're kind of out of out of sight, out of mind. And it's very much mm-hmm. like that with um, the open leagues that we see in collegiate. Is that unless you're in those premier invite leagues or invite uh, divisions like. It's hard to get your name out there. It's hard to be visible to anyone. And like, you could take a team like Hundred Thieves as somewhat different, or even uh, who is it down in Miami? Shoot, uh, Phase. They are lifestyle brands. They are making a lot of money, and they're doing a lot of business outside of esports. They just happen to have the esports as well as one of their kind of core mm-hmm. pillars of identity but it's not necessarily making them all the money yet or making them enough money to be sustainable the, yeah and the reason that they were able to easily like subsidize their income is because they had 
um, big investors, right? right? And so they didn't, unlike a lot of different esports uh, teams, they didn't have to borrow money. They had like, they had like Series A and Series B investors. Um, mm -hmm. You know, for example, uh, Hunter Thieves, Drake co-owns Hunter Thieves, and he was basically gave you know Nate Shot his Series A investment. Yep. Um, and then there's like money. a dozen more investors there. And like if you look at if you look at one of the first videos of their house, they have sponsors for each and every room in there. So mm -hmm. like you you know that there's a whole lot going on there, and that's how Hundred Thieves is sustaining. But like if you think about that, they did all those deals and they made all those breaks and they're getting all of this attention, and yet they still didn't choose to go to pursue the Call of Duty League. It makes sense because that was a huge budget risk to them. So as much as they're mm -hmm. moving forward and gaining this visibility, they don't have the capital yet themselves to make that move. So that's kind of my overall concern about the, the way that these three teams are coming in. I, I hope for them all the success um, in making it work. And I hope Ubisoft really has a good grasp of what's going to be expected of them to run this league, let alone all of the other leagues within uh, Rainbow Six. So that's exciting. There's a lot going on, but continuing on with Pro League, we're getting a revamp to the Challenger League. Uh, I grokked some of it. I like that we're that they're already calling out that on September 12th, the first and second team, first and second place teams in the Stage Two qualifiers will play the seventh and eighth placed North American Challenger League teams to earn their spot into Challenger League Stage Two. So even within the Challenger League, we're having promotions and de demotions. I like it a lot. Um, and a lot of people don't like it. Um, and I can understand with this that. Revamp, you know, for example, um, I'm, I'm good friends with, with uh, a guy named Bryce who is the coach for PogChamp, and they finished first in CL this season. Um, they, so what, what they're mad about is the fact that they finished first and now that normally when you finish first in, in challenger league you know you play the relegations to make it into pro league right but now they right. now ubisoft is saying that they have to go back and re-qualify for challenger league and they're like what the f yeah what the, what the hell like we finished first in challenger league and now you're telling us we have to start all over again like this is yeah. this is garbage yeah and um, they're they're only the only the the only thing that they walked away with was a bit of money. Like, but if you compare that to what Sonics and Disrupt Gaming get, they get a second chance at life. Like, Sonics was kicked out. They lost their relegation match. They were knocked out. Why are they still there? Why are they? Why were they invited back in? I don't know. Yeah, you know, they didn't even finish first in Challenger League. Um, yeah. I don't even know what place they finished in, and I don't even... I don't think they did very well, but now that they're getting invited back to pro league, like not I get only that are they, they were... being invited back, but they don't even have a fifth for their roster. Yeah. It doesn't make a ton of sense at all. Um... <laughs> and I, I think this yeah. is, this is Ubisoft's uh, beginner mistakes. Like they're not used to running the league. They may have had some say and like some influence on what they were aiming for with ESL, but it's not this. This this is all on them, and they have no one to kind of 
hide behind. This is them balking and just walking in a winning run. Like, this is a bad, bad egg on the face for your first attempt. Yeah, it is. Um, I, I don't know if this is because they're hitting, like, the hard reset button that all these things are happening and everyone's like, what the hell is going on? I think they, I think it might just be a hard reset button so they can, you know, transition easily, more easily into the new style because I think, I think it would be a lot more complicated trying to incorporate everything that's currently going on into the new style. Yeah, sorry, and I mean, that, the new makes style. A, that makes a lot of sense. Like, transitions alone are difficult, but now they're managing this transition while everyone's working from home which does not make it any easier but they're still setting this up and this this isn't okay like the hard reset may be convenient for you and for the the for ubisoft and for their overall business which okay i get it you're running a business that's fine but they kind of just led everyone around with a carrot on a stick and didn't really communicate well with that and so it's it's really difficult for anyone to be in favor of this change i think it's favorable and just that we're getting more competition that it's even lighting a fire underneath the challenger league teams so that because i mean without multiple phases of relegation the challenger league is just like yeah we'll go in we'll do our best and if we suck we suck um but we will still be in challenger league now there's reasons to be good even in challenger league um, and with them running their own events and running simultaneously as the rest of the uh, north american league like we're going to see some really tight competitions and as we're going to majors and seeing them participate as well they're going to get a lot more visibility which is hopefully that opportunity for sponsors and partnerships to even hit them even in the challenger league so maybe that the opportunity the upfront benefit isn't as good as it would have been if they would have just been allowed into the pro league but maybe the long-term upside is there but it i could still definitely understand the bit of the the sting from being able to say we won and you're not going to give us a spot i would honestly I would rather have a first place Challenger League team than have the Sonics back. Like the Sonics really didn't do much at all while in their time in the Pro League. Yeah. Um yeah, they didn't they didn't do much at all. And I'm trying to find the the standings of what the the final standings of in Challenger League were, but I can't find mm. them. I'd have to dig deeper, but Yeah. Um anyways, it's still, you know, with all this hard reset stuff even coming into play, it still begs the question, out of the top teams in Challenger League, why would they invite the Sonics and Disrupt? And, I uh, mean, Disrupt, I can see, right? They they, sure. they finished top Challenger League multiple times in, their, in, in the past, right? And they've worked mm -hmm. their ass off. Sonics, they originally came, they, they were Challenger League, they eventually came into pro league and then got knocked back to challenger league and then kind of didn't do very well in challenger league so why would why do they deserve to come back into pro league that's that's the real yeah. question here um I'm, I'm not trying to knock on sonics i'm not trying to do a witch hunt on them it's just it doesn't make it doesn't make any sense when there's more deserving teams out there 
may, yeah. maybe it's because they actually have an org to support them I, um, yeah. and, they're, and, they're, I, and they're ready to go um they've already worked the with building. ubisoft they have a relationship with them they have an org behind them the, so it's proving that they're a stable team or a stable uh owner basically so there's more confidence in them and then just than just promoting a challenger league team now i don't know what um what the current leaders uh, or whoever won the challenger league last last time i don't know what their status is in terms of sponsorships or having a home org and stuff or if it's just five dudes playing rainbow six and being good at that's it that's all like, it is it's 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 five it challenge that's all challenge really gets yeah, well, it's, five yeah. Dudes, it's five dudes playing rainbow six trying to get yeah. into pro league so they can get an org to back them uh, this, and this this is why the multi stages of Challenger League is important is that it's going to be broadcasting them more closely to Pro League without the price tag so that they can bring in different sponsors. But then you have your answer why Disrupt Gaming and Sonics came in. They have an org behind them, and they're going to be they're proven they've proven enough to Ubisoft that they will be able to sustain a team for an entire year. That's all it is. They might have even had to pay. I mean, it could have very well have been a, hey, by the way, you were in Pro League. We wanted to give you an option. If you're willing to front this much amount of money, buy into the league, uh, we'll let you have your spot back. Mm -hmm. It could have been I, something also, like that. I think they're the only ones that have the viability to even move to Vegas, you know, because it's that's, all that's land. another good one. Yep. Uh, also, uh, fun fact relegations from now on from challenge league to pro league are going to be on land so challenger league players can knock pro league teams out of pro league live oh. <laughs> in person uh, uh, they, they, so, so right there if you are an esports photographer or videographer capturing those moments of a challenger league team dethroning a pro league team i don't think has ever really has ever been caught on camera I think all of the Challenger League relegations have always been online for multi multiple esports. So this is an opportunity to start getting some of those emotional shots and so teams at the worst and teams at their best. Like it's always yeah, going to be a great and picture. And a lot of times you can, uh, whenever relegations happen, like the Challenger League teams that make it into Pro League will post their uh, their 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 voice their voice comms as like you know their reaction like oh, whenever man. they won uh and like all that stuff on twitter but actually and you can hear the passion and like excitement in their voice that they actually did something they did this mm -hmm. they worked their ass off to get into pro league and you can just feel that energy but it's not it's i, I like i want to see their faces and like being able having them do everything live will be awesome to see their like their actual raw reactions it'd be, it'd be really cool to see absolutely and i mean hearing that seeing that on stage let them have that moment on stage that's a big deal and i mean the more we talk about challenger league and how it's formed and how what opportunities are there i definitely have to feel like there might even be more emphasis on challenger league than pro league rainbow six is a growing very healthy game like yes we're having problems with cheaters and all sorts of other problems and we're not un really understanding where they're trying to take balance and everything um but we we have a game that is still growing we have 
a huge collegiate scene backing it up. We have challenger leagues that are filling up. So the game is there. The pro league scene is there. And so what, what do they need to do to make sure that the pro league keeps growing, keeps getting bigger? They have to support their challenger league. They have to, I feel like they have to support the collegiate leagues. Not that they have to, but it, I think that it's another step in that direction of making sure that you have a feeder system into your pro league to make sure that your esport isn't dying within the next three to five years. I mean, if you follow Overwatch League and its challenge, its uh, contenders divisions too, like you know that they're going through a player drought. You know that they're having a hard time. Like keeping people interested in Overwatch. So I think as much as this league kind of references the Overwatch League formation and scheduling, I think what they're doing with Challenger League is learning from the Overwatch League's mistake. Mm -hmm. uh, other, pro, other Pro League stuff that we have going on, which is also quite exciting let me bring it up so we do have some changes with tsm we have chala who is trialing with them in place of pojo man who would return to coach now you were so excited about tsm and the call that you made about pojo man how does this make you feel um I don't know. It's kind of bittersweet, I guess. Um, mm. Seeing Pojo Man go to go to coach because he's such a good player, yeah. um, and I mean he could be an even better coach. You know, I who knows. Uh, but honestly, I I don't see Chala being a good shoe fit in Pojo Man's place. Mm. Um, you know, looking back on on Chala back when he played for I think was it Space Station. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know how I feel. Uh, I guess time will tell when we actually see him, you know, perform. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I, I couldn't really tell you, but I don't. My gut tells me that this is not the best decision that they're that they could make. Um, and hopefully that they see. Hopefully, if it isn't, they'll see that right away and they will uh, revert their changes. But who knows? It could be a good change. All right. Uh, just a couple of other details. Disrupt Gaming, uh, their roster is locked in at Shuttle, Reed, Nyx, Retro, and Drip. If you're unfamiliar with Oxygen Esports, it's because they are a rebranded name for Team Genji. So Team Genji, if you're familiar with them, they've been around for a little bit, mostly kind of sticking around to the back, but... Oxygen Esports rebranding. Uh, it's got to be kind of along the same lines as Sonics and Disrupt Gaming of this is why they were invited. This is why they were allowed to pick up the Reciprocity roster and then join in on the league. They had the money. They had the, the funding to prove that they could be a sustainable team to Ubisoft. So that's how we're getting Oxygen Esports into this. And that's really the rest that I have about movement around pro league outside of the actual pro league announcement but well i actually forgot oh go ahead go ahead one one thing about oxygen is they weren't in they weren't invited into pro league because they were an org 
they came into pro league because they bought the team that owned yeah. that spot right um and i think what happened was team reciprocity when they got released from reciprocity um is that they had a set amount of time uh to get picked up by an org and if they couldn't get an org within that amount of time i think they were going to be removed from their pro league spot Yikes. but luckily um an org came and said hey we'll pick you guys up um, yeah because and the reason behind that is because you know as you all probably know rainbow six recently was labeled a tier one esport now whether or not you agree with that is up to you um but i i i'm gonna say i'm gonna say it this is what i personally think um i do not think that rainbow six is a tier one esport i agree um and you I gotta elaborate now i'm gonna have to defend myself as well but i agree I, the the people who who labeled Rainbow Six is a tier one tier one esport. I don't think I've ever played the game. Um, Thanks. <laughs> with the with the the amount of problems that happen during live national matches is insane. Like the amount of times that you've watched a, a finals match and they've had to restart rounds because of bugs is incredible. Like mm. it's it's just it's like what in the world, you know? Like if you if you are if you have this game and you are wanting wanting to you know increase viewership you know make it a tier one esport you think you would take fixing the game a little bit more seriously mm, i mean yeah. i'm not saying that they aren't taking it seriously i'm saying they should be going to greater lengths to fixing the game they yeah. need to be devoting all of their time and all of their resources to making sure that this game is re is ready, esports ready. It's always it's always been a joke within Dream of Six. You know, every time something happens, they say, "Oh yeah, you know, this is esports ready." But, you know, every time something breaks, um, it, it's certainly more esports than Fortnite is. But I, I coming from the other side, like esports isn't what makes Rainbow Six money. It's just not. Yeah, but, yeah, but Fortnite isn't broken. <laughs> when was the last time you? When was the last time oh. you heard about a, a game-breaking bug in Fortnite? Well, it's not During... game-breaking bugs that they have. It's game-breaking features. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm talking about actual like. Oh yeah, no. Bugs, you know, yeah. like it's it's incredible. Um, yeah. You know, back in the day, they they came out with an operation called Operation Health, where they said, okay, there's not going to be any content this entire season because the entire season is going to be about the game health. Mm -hmm. And it did wonderful things. It did worked wonders for the game. Mm. But they are so focused on creating more content and you know more things to for people to spend their money on. Nope. It's it's ridiculous. Uh, for example, the, the new event that just came out, the Grand Larceny event. To buy all the skins for this Grand Larceny event, right? If you were to just buy them all outright, it was like seventy to eighty dollars. That's more than another full game, just for a couple skins. Nope. What in the world are you well, thinking? Like, well, counterpoint, guess... counterpoint. World of Tanks, massively popular game. It's yeah, player base, but that's a free game. They make their money off of Rainbow Six has a free edition too, or like a like a ten dollar no, version. It I mean, used to. It still costs money. Sure. To, yeah, to, it, to, to obtain the game, right? Yeah. 
my my point is is that World of Tanks, as much as it is a free game, they have special tanks that you can just buy outright. You can't progress them or anything like that. But some of these tanks are over a hundred dollars a piece, and people mm -hmm. eat them up. So yeah, I could totally understand why Rainbow Six is doing events like this with skins that are for purchase only or for purchase if you don't want to play the game. Like they are taking lessons from Fortnite, they're taking lessons from I guess it's really just Fortnite at this point. Uh but at the having... same time, uh cosmetics in those games don't cost nearly as much. Yeah. As this one. I mean That's true. For for the amount of for the amount of content you get for the dollar, yeah, there's not there's n you're not getting anything compared if to some. Of it was you're spending seventy dollars on V bucks in Fortnite. You can buy the entire damn store. Yep, the what was it? It was um, Dead or Alive Five, I think, was the latest one that came out. Full price sixty dollar game. Day one, if you wanted all the cosmetics, you had to drop something like one hundred and twenty dollars. Otherwise, you're just stuck grinding and unlocking it all, and it's just, it's all these really minute cosmetics. It's not like a brand new, like, super shiny skin that's just like, oh my god, never seen before in the game kind of deal. This was just yes, like... but, but, another counterpoint. <laughs> you had the option to grind for those skins if you didn't yeah. want to pay for them. In Rainbow Six, you either pay for them or you don't get them ever. Once it's gone, it's gone. Like, and I guess. Oh, like, so that's weird because I, charging, I mean, they're less. I guess they're charging these premiums for exclusivity, but yeah, like you should, you know, I, you shouldn't have to pay that much freaking money for you know a, a couple skins that you might want out of this event, you know. And they're like, mm -hmm. okay, we'll get some suckers to pay the this this amount of money for the skins, mm -hmm. but at the same time. You're not making as many sales as you would have if you made it less money. Yeah, and I, I think they, I, their, I think their, their business plan on that one was just. Yeah. See, I would, I would have expected those grand larceny skins to have appeared on a battle pass, and be like, you either pay for it or you play for it. And some of the skins in Fortnite, they're pay only or they're only available at the end of your battle pass, but you could buy your way buy like tiers and get through the battle pass faster if that was your other if that was your deal but like yeah this i mean that's really disappointing that there's so many skins that are just purely for sale and no other way to get it i guess it does fit the theme of the event though that's true grand larceny there you go <laughs> the skins are dope like i have to say that those are some really sweet skins but yeah, I don't know if I would drop 70 bucks on them. Um, yeah. Uh, but point yeah. being, back to the original point, is that they need to, I think they need to focus a little bit more sure. on the state of their game rather than they need to, they need to switch to quality over quantity. Yeah, and part, part of that is more. like, what's, what's curious to me is like, they obviously had a team of people working on this. They have a team of people working on Esport on the esports side of things, but if they don't, if they're not talking to each other, or if the overall development of the game isn't really taking esports into account, which 
I mean, it, it's going to be a money discussion at the end of the day. It's going to be how much effort is it going to take to fix this thing? It's going to be what is it in the way of? If we're going to choose this to fix this thing for eSport, what's it in the way of? My guess is, as it will be for the next number of years, is that the cost of fixing the eSports was more in the way of getting this grand larceny event out so my guess is that now that this is, event is out some resources have been freed up they're allowed they are now able to move on the, any changes that the esports team wanted to see but those changes that esports wants to see it has to also line up with what the casual competitive community wants the your ranked players your casual players like they can't be dismissing what those players are doing as they will make up 90 95 percent of all players and the ones spending money so th those are the people that ubisoft is going to cater to first and foremost despite having an esport that is considered tier one by a, a credible source um i believe it was the esports observer that put out their ranks and i for me to disagree with why this isn't a tier one esport is i mean it's production quality they're just changing who's running it going from ESL, esl to themselves like they're unproven the game itself may have the potential to be a tier one esport but they kind of lost that credential when they switched when they said no it's going to be us doing it and until we can see fixes to the game until we can see what the how this new league really pays out and plays out i don't know if we can really say that this is a tier one esport because they're kind of scrapping everything that they have and they're just capitalizing on capitalizing on the goodwill and the fandom that's already there they're hoping that their community sticks around at this point i feel like that they were pressured to put out this announcement of saying here's the timing of everything because otherwise rainbow six wasn't seeing the the numbers it was the number of players who were logging in each day each month i bet that it was on a downward trend especially because there had been no contact no comments about new content or the new league since it wrapped up and grand larceny wasn't announced by then so without anything for players to look forward to they weren't coming back to play so that's what this battle pass that's what these events are supposed to do they're supposed to bring people back after they've lapsed that's that's all yeah. I can really. If you, if you think about it, the label of Tier One Esport was based off of ESL's performance exactly. as a league. Yep. So now that Ubisoft has taken over, they've got some big shoes to fill. Oh, they do. And if you were to look at the ranking just based off of audience size, prize pool size, sure, you could consider it a Tier One or Esport. But I, for me, you got to be able to make some bigger noise than what Rainbow Six has done. I know League of Legends, like League of Legends is in a tier all of its own. Why it's not a tier S according to that chart, I don't know. Like, because it's just far and away bigger than anything else. Like, Fortnite has it beat on cultural relevance and being a part of culture, but league of legends is the esport to compare yourself to the esport to build yourself towards in terms of functionality production size scope scale and management of so many players 
Ubisoft doesn't have that problem yet. And until you have comparable problems and honestly a comparable game of pol of refinement, I don't think that you can really put it up there. And with ESL backing away, I think I think the, those credentials have to be revoked. Yeah, I think so as well. Or at least put on like a trial tier one esport. I don't know if that's exactly. a thing, but yeah. Um, I think that's it for North America or for Pro League uh, or North American League. Uh, that is actually starting up r really soon. So that's in June. So, which is really exciting. Uh, and then, even then, the Canadian League starts at the end of this month. So you'll be able to see some of the first Canadian qualifiers and uh, matchups coming. Let's see. Uh, online qualifiers May 30th and 31st, and the top four teams will earn a, speed, a spot to compete in the online league. Uh, registrations for the qualifiers actually start on this coming Monday, so grab your squad and go for it. You've got, I mean, you've got a huge opportunity to make it into a pro league situation and kind of do something that's not been done before in Canada, so that's pretty sweet. Uh, outside of that, the U.S. is set to start in, I believe it was June 10th. Uh, da, 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 let me put on here somewhere. I thought it was June 10th. Uh, June, let's see, online qualifiers for Challenger League Stage 1 will start June 6th and June 13th. Stage 2 qualifiers August 29th and September 5th. Uh, yeah, so Divi U.S. Division Challenger League on June 13th, uh, oh, sorry, on June 6th, uh, qualifiers for Stage 1 will happen. They're playing a best-of-one single elimination style tournament, so yikes. Uh, until there's 16 teams remaining on June 13th, those 16 teams will play in a best-of-three single elimination tournament until there are eight teams left. Those will be the first teams in the U.S. Division Challenger League Stage 1. So then we move on to Stage 2, all that stuff. So we've got stuff coming up very soon, and it'll be the caliber of competition that you've been looking for and hoping to see grow within R6 Pro League. Though I have to stop saying Pro League because it's no longer Pro League, so that'll get take some time to get used to. Uh, let's jump over to, to Collegiate, because we went down the rabbit's hole on Pro League for sure, and we have got to get into Pro League because there is a lot going on. So I'm going to kick off with a message from University of Utah. Take a listen. Hey, this is Noisy, playing for the University of Utah. I'm the captain, in-game leader, support player, and... Uh... I'm here to give some afterwards about the game on Akron we just had. We lost, unfortunately, 0-2. Um, honestly, we thought we were prepared enough. Um, did a lot of VOD reviewing, researching. Akron is just a really tough team. And uh, I think ultimately what makes Akron the best is uh, their adaptability. They're just so quick on their feet, and they know exactly what to do. Uh, in every situation and every moment. Um, we're not out of it yet, and we plan on playing Akron in the semifinals. We're just going to make a run 
and uh, that's it. So thank you for listening. Appreciate it. So that came at the heels of round two in CRSL. As you can see, University of Akron 2-0'd them for a rematch of their matchup in the regular stage against FIU, the only team to beat them in CRSL. And guess what? Akron has lost again 2-0. That makes 0-2 for Akron against FIU this season. And they are the only team I've seen consistently winning against Akron. There might have been some close 2-1 to one matchups or some close 7-5 uh, to five maps going in against Akron. And Akron has lost a couple things, or a couple maps, and I believe they actually lost a game or two in um, CEA, but still managed to pull out the championship there. Spoilers, sorry. Nice segue. I went for it. Um, we'll, go, we'll talk about that in a moment. But Akron losing to FIU for a second time means that unless Utah or Northern Arizona University can pull an upset against Akron, which Akron has already beaten both of them in the playoffs. So within the last two weeks, Akron has beaten both University of Utah as well as Northern Arizona University. Uh, I think Akron is going to be looking at their matchups against FIU and really really trying to out-strategize going forward because something did not go right again. And, I mean, they already knew to prep for FIU. So the fact that it broke down this way is, one, a great story. I'm excited to watch it. Two, it would be a phenomenal grand finals if that's how it broke down. Uh, outside of that, we need to back up for a couple matches. Uh, we looked at... Texas Tech University versus the team that must not be named. I pay, we both ended up taking Texas Tech in our pick'em round, and we both lost because the team that must not be named won. Congrats to them. <laughs> and so that was a little bit of a thorn in my side, but thank you to the University of Utah for winning against them and knocking the team that must not be named, CGC, UIC, SOL. I said it one last time for the league out of respect to the team because they have been a fierce, fierce competitor this season, and I want to give them that credit and not just be a, a jerk to them the whole time. Uh, <laughs> University of Utah, I mean, come on. You show some respect. Like, they, out of nowhere... They have pulled off some great wins. They've clutched up when it, when they've needed to. And that's what secured them into what looks to be a top four finish. That's, that's pretty nice. Pretty nice for their first time out in CRSL. Now, Auburn University versus Northern Arizona University uh, didn't quite go Auburn's way, which was... Um... Uh, I, I guess a little disappointing. Uh, Auburn, they've been a, a staple around my coverage of CR6, so it's sad to see them go, um, but they, they put up a good fight, and I mean, they made it all the, all the way this far, so that's pretty darn good. Um, let's see, Wisconsin Red, they fell to Northern Arizona University, and 
I, I feel bad because I, I really thought Wisconsin Red was the stronger team. I even told you as such last week or last time, and uh, I went with Northern, Northern Arizona University out of out of um, obligation to pick a, a an underdog every now and then. So yay for me, I picked it. I was picking them for the wrong reason, though. Um, so they made it through, and now they're up against Utah. So that's going to be a great match. I look forward to seeing that one. Um, and actually, I'm sorry, this is not the top four teams. This is top four teams for the right bracket out of groups three and four. We've got more matchups. So really, what we're looking for is winner of loser's bracket and FIU, basically, figuring out who's going to be fighting in the grand finals with the winners from the left bracket. Let's take a look there. We, we have a lot to cover here. So LSU, let's see, LSU, how did we do? We both picked LSU. We were wrong. Charger Blue came through <laughs> and uh, kind of stomped on our don't mess, or actually, no, Charger Blue was also in the, the group of death, so it was going to happen one way or another. Um, LSU lost. They also fell to the loser's bracket and where they played Miami University and also fell there. So LSU, the first group of death team to be knocked out in this in this stage so rip lsu thank you for the games it was great watching and it's great seeing you come out and prove my point about the group of death and texas and the south unfortunately we got to back up to see how miami got to where they are they beat new york tech which i believe you won in new york tech i called miami we're good splitting that one i finally won one you will win plenty of others as I know the results of everything. Uh, Sheridan, they won against Wilford Warrior. We saw that one coming. Uh, then it was down to UTSA and uh, Sheridan. That was going to be a bloodbath. But again, the group of death stands strong against the best team coming out of group one at seven and one. Sheridan just kind of floundering in the playoffs, unfortunately. But... Uh, they'll be back stronger, I'm sure. Uh, UTSA, they hold their own. They lost to Texas A&M Maroon, so congrats there. Texas A&M showing more signs of life here than they have in the other leagues, which is great to see. Uh, let's see, that was Sheridan, New York Tech, Miami. Uh, LSU fell to Miami. Sheridan fell to UTSA. UTSA has beaten Miami University and we'll be playing Charger Blue as Charger Blue lost to Texas and A&M. So Texas A&M being the front runners of groups one and two on the left bracket, they will be playing Charger Blue or UTSA, which we could go back to the group stage and see how they fared, which is actually, uh, I love being able to do this. A&M, let's see. <laughs> they beat Charger Blue 8 to 6 in their one matchup and they lost to UTSA 7 to 5. So if if Texas A&M had a, a choice opponent, I believe that they would be going for Charger Blue. But you never know how it's going to 
play out, especially with these teams that are so close in performance together. So CRSL is very spicy right now with three group of death teams making it all the way to the finals in the playoffs. Now, we are going to have to wait to see how the grand finals plays out and what teams make it there. Uh, going over our pickums from last week, we both picked FIU uh, to win. We got that one. We shared that one. Uh, we said Akron would win. We got that one. Go us. We said Texas Tech would win. No such luck. I picked Northern Arizona University. You picked Wisconsin Red. Yay! We both picked LSU in the other matchup on the other side. We both lost that one. I said UTSA. You said Maroon. You won that one. We both picked Sheridan over Wilford in Wilford Laurier. And then I picked Miami. You had New York Tech. So in CRSL, I'm winning in a score of 5-3. to three, So nailed that one. We're good there. Um, over 50%. Go, go us. Um, going to CEA and the championship round, which I spoiled, unfortunately. Um, Akron won in a very, very convincing faction. Both maps were 7-2, to two, which was... Whew, uh, a rough way for your grand finals to go. It was over like that. Uh, Akron wins 2020 CEA Spring, repeating their fall win and continuing to the opportunity to repeat across all three leagues. So map one was on Clubhouse. That was Akron's pick, and they got to attack first, 7-2. to two. Villa, RIT's pick. And RIT got to attack first, and they still lost 7-2. to uh, If we look at the way it goes down with scores, I wanted to kind of call out map MVPs and the overall series MVPs. On Clubhouse, I have to give it to Juicy Joseph, and he tuned into our, our show last time, so that's, that's brownie points, so that gives him a little leg up but it's also just because of how well he did on that map. He absolutely crushed it. Um, but Villa's MVP is also my series MVP, IMAT. Um, both of them get their map MVPs for superior gameplay. Their, their kills were out, out of control. They hardly died. They, they were assisting their teams. They, whatever role that they needed to be doing, they were doing it, and only on a handful of rounds did something just go sideways. And I think it was more something went sideways more so than RIT actually pulling off something. Uh, reason why I give IMAT the series MVP is that at the end of the day, 19 kills, 9 assists, and 12 deaths. Like, most kills out of his team second most assists out of his team and while it was also the most deaths he also was playing aggressive and he was outplaying everyone he encountered it was just nuts to see that and he's committing value after value each round the highlight i think comes from the last round in map one 
where he won a 1v4 on defense on Clubhouse. It was nuts to watch. It was really impressive to see it happen. It was like a 2-5 two, two to five or maybe 2-4, to four, and then it just immediately it was a 1-on-4 switch to a 1v3, and then just he dropped everyone, and it was a great way to round it out. You thought that... Um, RIT might have been able to pick up a third round, see if they built some momentum just as Akron is at the finish line and just the pressure is getting to them. Nah, Akron felt no pressure in the series at all, and so it was an easy win for them. I, I don't mean any disrespect for RIT, it's just Akron is a different beast altogether. Um, so that's that coverage. Uh, congratulations again to Juicy Joseph, the squad, IMAT, Prodigy, Surma, CJ for days, well-earned, well-fought, uh, and congratulations on another title under y'all's belt. Did you get a chance to watch the VOD? I did not. I've been actually yeah. been pretty dang busy this week. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, I mean, 7-2, to 7-2, two, to two, two maps in a row. Like, it's not that RIT's confidence was shaken. It's not anything like that. It's just they could not get anything past Akron, which is why I'm so surprised to see FIU doing so well against Akron. And after hearing from our uh, guest from Utah, just that how well that they prepared, they attempted to prepare, and just that Akron was always that step or two ahead of them, that's impressive. You, you don't get to that quality of a team without just busting your ass more than anybody else. Mm-hmm. So I'm really curious to hear from FIU if I can get them on the show. Um, I want to know how the hell they're pulling this off. Um, moving on, we've got CR6 to discuss and more of our picks. So if we, if we tally up CEA and CRSL, I'm winning 5-4. to four. Or we're, we're five guesses out of nine. You're four guesses out of nine. Uh, we're teetering on not so great, and this is where it's going to get ugly for both of us. Not just not just you, not just me. Uh, <laughs> we're going into let's see. We had Akron versus University of Louisiana, first seed versus sixteenth seed. You went Louisiana as a gamble. Uh, I went Akron, easy win there, two zero. GG's Louisiana. Um, Louisiana Lafayette. I want to be specific and give that campus credit. Uh, GG's. See you next season. See you Boulder Black versus Kennesaw State University. I was I was thinking it was Kansas State. It's not Kansas State. Kennesaw. They're a Georgia a team from Georgia, and that name rings a bell because they were upset. They were they pulled off a few upsets a couple years ago in the fall of twenty eighteen. Or, yeah, fall 2018 uh, league. They were just gross to watch sometimes, and they just kind of had these hot flashes up and down. Um, so to see them chiming in at the ninth seed, I'm not surprised. Like, they've, they've kept up for sure. Uh, I just thought CU Boulder Black, and we both thought CU Boulder Black was just another abomination of a competitive team. Turns out, Kinesawa has something to say about that, and 2-0'd CU Boulder Black, and we both missed out on points on that one. 
Uh, you took Simon Fraser. I took Purdue four versus twenty. It's nice that in this or it's nice that we get a four twenty matchup. Uh, but Purdue falls, and my gamble did not pay off. Simon Fraser wins easily two to zero. Grand Canyon University versus Mississippi, my heartbreaker match, the one I don't want to see either team lose, and especially not the team I pick, but Grand Canyon University falls to the 12th seed, Mississippi State Esport, which we also have a message from. So let's take a listen from our guest, uh, Brian Crumpton from Mississippi State University. I'm the captain for esports at MSU's. Um, my name is Brian. I'm the captain for esports at MSU's Rainbow Six team. Um, we play GCU uh, Wednesday night at 7:30 CST. Um, the game lasted three maps. Um, they beat us pretty decisively on Clubhouse, three to seven. Then we won on Cafe in overtime, uh, eight to six, and we won on Villa, uh, seven to three. Um, so far, um, it's it's going pretty well for us, and uh, GCU is a pretty decent team. I'm I'm happy we've won, and I'm happy with the results. Next week we probably play Simon Fraser, and I I think it'll be a good game. Uh, but what motivates us to keep going is the match after that, which is probably going to be Akron. We want that rematch really bad. Yeah, they want that rematch really badly, but it is not going to happen this season as Simon Fraser beats Mississippi State Esports 2-0. to zero. And again, breaks my heart to have this team fall out of the league um, for the season and is unfortunate, but Simon Fraser is definitely going to be a challenge for Kennesawa or Akron who will be their opponents in the round four. Um, moving down the line, we had UDIM, uh, University of Montreal, versus Oregon State University. We both went Oregon State as it was just a team who came out of nowhere, was able to secure the 15th seed over the 31st seed, UDIM. UDIM, 2-0 OSU. I... I don't even know what to say about that one. Um, <laughs> I was super, super disappointed in Oregon um, to not make it through. It's uh, a couple family members, alma mater, so I'm a little bit uh, tied to them. But Udem pulled off an, a great victory, and now they get to play Longhorn Gaming in the next round as, once again, we picked Texas Tech University, and they floundered against Longhorn Gaming meaning Longhorn Gaming is the last Texas team standing in CR6. So if anything, they can walk away with their heads held high that they are better than everyone else in Texas. So not sure how that rubs you <laughs> syntax, but I can only imagine it's not great seeing as they're your rivals. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Uh, moving on. UCF Black, that was my choice. Fell UCF Black, the third seed team. Third seed falling to 14th seed Illinois State University in a shocker. 
absolute shocker. I, I can't pick my jaw off the floor fast enough, hard enough to get over my shock with this. And so that costs me points. You get those points. Those are going to be some of the best, sweetest points that you'll earn going forward, I'm sure. Um, CSULB versus Kentucky. I chose CSULB. Oddly enough, their seeds weren't listed on this round, but they are 6th seed Kentucky versus 11th seed CSULB. So that paid off in my favor, which kind of reminds me, and some of the other matchups like uh, UDEM and OSU, it reminds me, regionality is a thing. I keep saying that the South is extremely strong, but if you look at the Western West Coast teams, it's only California teams that are doing well. OSU turning the mold on that with being a competitor in this space, but to not to fall this early, I think is more a representation of the fact that the North, particularly Canadian teams and teams around New York uh, in that area seem to be, or in the Northeastern region, also seem to be quite strong. I don't believe they're quite as strong as the South, but uh, when I compare California teams to Kentucky teams, I'm going to have to take Californian teams over pretty much anyone outside of Texas. That's that's kind of my feelings on that. So regionality, I can totally understand this matchup, and I should have listened to it up here with the UDEM OSU match. Um, moving on, we have one result in the next round already, and that's... We already talked about that, Simon Fraser versus Mississippi State. So right now we're waiting on Akron and KSU, Kinesawa. I'm totally butchering that. I apologize. Um, but we're waiting on that matchup. UDIM versus Longhorn Gaming. And then Illinois State versus CSULB. Uh, we're getting into it. So let's, let's, let's make some more picks. So overall, we're tied 7-7 out of 17. It's not a great track record. That's it's certainly not a great track record, and these upsets back and forth are not helping us. So let's think about this. Let's, let's dive into this just quickly. Akron or Kenesawa, one or ninth? Are you saying, are you trying to say Kennesaw? Like Kennesaw, Kennesaw State? Is it Kennesaw? Kennesaw? Yeah, probably. I was bur butchering it. Kennesawa. Kennesawa. No, it's, it's just, just Kennesaw. Kennesaw, oh, Kennesaw. Okay. So you uh, pronounce some of the I'll names around here. I'll probably take Akron over Kennesaw. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I agree. Uh, uh, Udem or Longhorn Gaming? Udim. Ooh. Going for it. Is that out of loyalty to not cheer for your rival? Uh a little bit of that, but also I think I think Udim's a stronger team. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, they did beat Boston. Mm-hmm. Oh boy. But um, mm. I'm gonna stick. I'm gonna stick with my guess. I'm gonna say Longhorn. I'm not gonna be. I'm not gonna be persuaded. Um, Illinois or CSULB. 
I'll go with CSULB. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put faith in my regionality theory of California teams will beat just about anybody else. Um, okay, so that's for it for CR6. Let's go back to CRSL. Let's see what matches are left at the moment. We've got, okay, so Charger Blue. University of Alabama Huntsville versus UTSA. Hmm. Probably UTSA. This is hard because they're both in the South. Um, Charger Blue. <sighs> Who do they want? They lost to AM. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to go to UTSA. Um, I don't know if Maroon's turning it on or something like that, but like the fact that they beat both UTSA and Charger Blue when I honestly didn't think that they could have held a flame to them, um, that's surprising to me, but UTSA beat them in the regular season. Yeah, uh, yeah, UTSA. I'll go for it. Uh, and then, what's well? No, it can't. That's that's the only choice, the only matchup that we have for the right for the left bracket. So right bracket, we've got just University of Utah versus versus Northern Arizona University. Who do you have? Wait, say that one more time. University of Utah versus Northern Arizona University. Utah. All right. We are only disagreeing on the UDEM versus Longhorn uh, gaming matchup. So that will be interesting if that actually because i mean that'll be the only thing that plays a difference so one of us will be eight and eight and eight and out of 23 at a bare minimum uh or one of us will be uh 12 out of 23 while the other is 11 out of 23 so it will be tight we'll keep it close between you and i all the way up until the very end it seems and you it's gonna put me ahead of you. You think I, I, I'm, I waffled, I waffled really hard, but oh god, it's north versus south, even. Oh god, thirty for thirty first versus what was that? That was thirty first versus tenth. Come on, Longhorn. I know you've had some troubles in your other leagues, but come on, you can, you can put me above syntax just this one time. <laughs> um. And that way I can prove my regionality point and as well as um, lord it over him just a little bit. I can have my Pojo moment. That's what I'm... This is my Pojo moment. This is my Pojo moment with this league is this UDEM versus Longhorn Gaming. We uh, shall see. Yeah, we'll definitely have to see. Considering we're cutting down from 17 matches last week to tracking down five 
uh, we're, we're moving at a good pace to be able to cover all of this. So uh, looking forward to the VODs. Thank you to the team members who left messages for us on the podcast. It's great to be able to include you all, highlight your teams, highlight your matches, and give you all some credit and just get to know you all some more. Teams who are still in this or teams who are just recently knocked out, we would love to hear from you. Anchor.fm slash check your six slash message. Outside of that, you can reach me at Warlock Recall pretty much on all social media. Uh, you can catch me streaming a little bit lately, which has been nice. Uh, outside of that, I'm pooped. I am ready to do some more R6 dive-in and looking forward to building the monster spreadsheet in just a couple of weeks when these leagues are done and provide you all some great context when the next seasons kick off in the fall. Can't wait for these next seasons. Cannot wait. Uh, any last messages for you? No, no, that's it from me. Great. All right. Well, what I might do is split this off into two episodes, one with the Pro League, just because we're going along. We have plenty to talk about in each. Uh, I'll play with that. I'll see what it, how it feels. Uh, if you have a preference as the audience, definitely reach out and let me know. Do you want shorter episodes, splitting Pro League and collegiate i like doing the stream with with syntax and covering it all but if you're not watching the vods if you're not tuning in live how do you want to consume it in your ear holes throughout the rest of the week so reach out to me and let me know what you want or if you are one of these league admins let me know let's work together let's see how we can highlight your leagues better uh more efficiently let's bring in some of your staff members we can work together would love to do so uh that's it for this episode. We will catch you all next week. Or if there's some special scheduling stuff, I might see if I can wrangle Syntax and I to make a second night work to keep on top of all these matches if they move along quickly. Anyways, that's it for us. We will talk to you all later. Peace.